podcast. This is Scott Spade. I'm your host, and I'm really excited today to have one of my ISI brothers on uh, on the call, Iron Sharpens Iron. And uh, David asked, I met David back in, I guess it was April, at the March or April at the live event. And um, I had been seeing this guy posting on Facebook, posting in the groups and just talking. And I'm like, that's one of the guys I want to meet. And sure enough, right after I arrived, uh, David walks up. I knew exactly who he was and got to meet meet you. And so, David, I'm going to let you tell a little bit about yourself and, and you know, who you are. I know you, you live in uh, Hendersonville, which is north of Nashville, and uh, you've been with uh, ISI for quite some time. And um, tell, welcome to the show and tell us who you are. Man, thank you for having me here. It means it means a lot. I, I uh, you know, of course, you and I have only really talked a couple of times, but I've heard your name come up so many times. And uh, you've got a lot of respect from from your brothers here. So that's pretty cool. Um, a little bit about me. So I'm, you know, it's funny. Last week, I actually went back to my hometown in Minnesota, a little town called Glenwood. And um, it's, a, it's a pretty special place. We, you know, it's a town with one stoplight and about 2,500 people. And I guess, it, well, once a year, they do this, this big celebration called Waterama. Mm-hmm. And thousands of people come to town for, you know, parade and water show and fireworks and, you know, all everything from axe throwing to a car show to volleyball to, you know, sand sculpture contests. I mean, it's just a, a pie eating contest. I mean, it's like Americana at its height. And so, you know, when people tell me, hey, tell me about yourself. I mean, that's you know, I lived there, you know, till I graduated high school and my parents still live there. And of course, I've got a lot of friends, you know, still in Minnesota. Um, but I've been in Nashville for 28 years. So I moved here in wow. 94. And um, my wife, Lisa, and I, like you said, live in Hendersonville. And we've got two kids. My um, my son, Parker, is, tw- uh, what is he, 17, uh, going on 25. And uh, <laughs> my daughter, Catherine, is 15. And um, so yeah, I you know kind of on the home front there. That's that's it in a nutshell. I I actually moved to Nashville um, to uh, to do music back in '94. So I attended Belmont University here for a couple of years and had uh, you know was my my trajectory was vocal performance and ended up recording a few records over the last many years here. And um, so a lot of my I guess what what really lights me up and gets me excited about life is actually is is performing. And so I've been really fortunate. I've never really had this big musical career, but at the same time I I've been really fortunate to perform on some really fun stages and some, you know, with some folks that I uh, you know, kind of would have only have dreamt about, you know, sharing a stage with when I was in high school, that kind of thing. So really wow. grateful grateful for those opportunities for sure. Um my my trajectory as of late, uh, really, in the last, well, I, actually, let me go back about a decade. So I actually worked in facilities management for um, a large telecom chain for about 17 years. And honestly, just a wonderful place to work. Um, there was some flexibility there in my time. So I could, you know, do some music here and there when I needed to, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but about 10 years ago, my my brother-in-law called me one day and he said, uh, where do I get a thermostat guard uh, with a combination lock? He said, everybody that I, you know, he was working for 
uh, some banks who own foreclosed properties. And when they got the properties up for sale, agents would go in there and mess around with the thermostats and the banks kept getting these, you know, huge bills. And so long story short, um, you know, he and I found that no one made a stat guard with a combo lock. So we jumped into the business together at that point. And um, I ended up buying him out a few years later. And, and part of that was, is I had absolutely no idea what I was doing and, and a total lack of confidence in that space. Right. Um, if you, if you wanted me to go sing the national anthem acapella for 20,000 people at a, a Titans game, whatever, fine. Right. No, no big deal at all. Like that. I, I can do that in my sleep, but do you, to, to, to take a product and bring it to market and sell and that kind of thing, I just, just felt like a, a total duck out of water. So we, we had a lot of years where we were just kind of like, or I'll put it this way. I had a lot of years where I was like, what am I even doing here? Yeah. Just no framework for understanding everything from plastics injection molding to supply chain, to sales, to uh, you know, a PL. I mean, every single bit of that was new. So long story short, though, we ended up getting some traction um, about, I think it's been maybe six or seven years ago now uh, with, with the Home Depot. And so uh, Home Depot said yes. And we got into about 13, or I should say I, I say <laughs> Lisa and me. So she's, she's kind of my, my sidekick here, helping me run my small business. And so we got into uh, the Home Depot stores and then shortly after that, we ended up um, getting a yes from Lowe's, but then COVID hit. Oh, so, man. you know, like like everybody else, they kind of, you know, went dark. And then a couple of years later, so this was just back in March of this year, uh, we got into the Lowe's stores. And I'm really wow. grateful for that opportunity. And, and we sell through some other distributors. And now I'm working on a, a new product, actually, that we're going to be launching uh, called the Lockbox Pro that's going to be. Um, so we trademarked StatGuard Plus. We're going to be we're trademarking now Lockbox Pro, and that's going to be um, for the Pro channel. So that's going to be exclusive to supply houses and contractors and things like that because you know we're going to kind of protect their vertical, as it were, yeah. uh, and not let them compete or make them compete with uh, big box or you know online and so on. But um, so in addition to that, so I, I've got a little bit of a an odd life. So even this. <laughs> You know, I've I've been able to sing in some some places and before some people that, uh, well, I'll just put it this way: I had to sign non-disclosure agreements, so I can't really even talk about it. So, so with that said, at 48 years old, to be asked to sing, you know, at, at a couple of different places that I would have only dreamt about, you know, are is is just just a blessing that I I. Honestly, it wasn't even on my radar. I didn't. I didn't even pray for something like that because I didn't think it was possible. Wow. Um, let alone having a, a product in three thousand retail stores, and um, and uh, and to see the trajectory of things right now, you know, not only personally but professionally, yeah. um, is staggering. And I'll I'll say it this for a college dropout, and um, and and a guy who had a lot of struggles early in life, and and just you know really battled through some some things with a lot of help from, you know, our, our Lord and some really dear friends and some people that are a whole lot wiser than I am. Um, and then, um, and then recently what's fascinating is, is, you know, it's just like, you know, kind of how God does, right. He takes broken things, puts them together in a way that make them better for having been broken. 
Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's this beauty for ashes thing. And he takes that, takes those broken things, turns them beautiful and then really useful so that we can actually help other people. So one of the things that I've been doing in the last year and a half is actually some coaching around um, some, some of its business coaching, but a lot of it is more uh, coaching around um, like identity, authenticity, confidence, and and things like that. So uh, a mutual brother of ours in ISI, Dr. Andy Garrett, who's a, a clinical psychologist, yeah. um, he and I have uh, have partnered together to to bring his course, you know, forward to help people really understand the bedrock of who they are. Right. Um, I, I like to I like to uh, to make this analogy of of. Well, not the analogy, the way Andy really explains this is, you know, authenticity. Sometimes if you think authenticity, identity, people are like, you know, that's kind of woohoo nonsense. You know, <laughs> the authenticity is who you become, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, what I've really learned is, is the word authenticity comes from the word author, right? Hmm. Yeah. I, I did not make me. And and I think I'll, I'll say something kind of bold here that might, might actually offend, offend some people, but you know, you didn't choose your eye color. You didn't choose your taste buds. And in fact, you did not choose your personality. And, and the things that you, the hierarchy of core values, the things that give you goosebumps that versus give me goosebumps, you didn't choose those things. So authenticity is understanding what has been authored in you. And identity is what are those things that you identify with versus me? And to paint the picture even more clearly, and I'll I'll, I'll shut up after this, is is I I like the, you know I I have two kids and um you have children don't you? I do. I've got four. Yeah. So they come out of the out of the gate incredibly different. Yeah. You know from from day one their personalities you can just tell their little sweet essences. As a, as a one and a two-year-old are so vastly different, right? They're not choosing that. And what I think is beautiful about the authorship of our Lord is that when we anchor to those things that make us unique and, and, uh, and prize those things and honor those things by working out of that sweet place in us, the most precious, courageous, sweet place in us, well, what happens? Well, authenticity brings forth courage and joy and purpose and uniqueness and we become our part, you know, of the body there. And I, so, so one of the things that has been giving me so much joy lately is walking with people through that process. And I had Andy on this show um, last week and it's going to launch here real soon. And, and I sat in on his, his um, teaching at the, at the live event and really just, what really amazed me was that, um, for him to be so young and, and to be so smart, I'm like, holy crap, this guy is just, yeah. you know, viewing. I mean, he just speaks my language and, and you're speaking my language. And, and that's one of the things that I've been, um, I've been focusing on for the last two years um, is, you know, self-awareness and just, you know, who are you? And, and I love to ask my clients, you know, who are you really? Because yeah. it's really easy for us to say, well, you know, I'm a father, I'm, I'm a business owner, I'm a, uh, I'm a wife, I'm a husband, I'm a, I'm a whatever, whatever our title is. Yeah. But when you look deep in the core, that authentic, who are you really authentically down deep, you know, um, and that's really where people are scared to go. Yeah. 
It, or, it is. It is. It, 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 it can be a really intimidating place because yeah. if, if you truly say and, and label those things that, you know, we talk about core values, right? Well, what does your core value? You know what I mean? What, what is it that your soul says, these are those things in my life that I think are absolutely bedrock and what make me, me. So what yeah. happens, what happens if you lead with that and then nobody likes you? It's way easier and, we, and, and it sounds kind of funny, but it's way easier to kind of play, play the part and what, and do what people expect of you. And, and we all do that without even knowing it. But once you get to that place of, you know what, I'm David freaking Osk. And I absolutely love my, like my, what is my core value? My core values are, are God front and center, the author and the finisher of who I am. Right. My next one is inspiration. What does that mean? Breathe life into. I absolutely love breathing life into people. I don't care if I'm at a gas station or I'm talking to you on a podcast. My, my mission in life is to is to breathe so much life into somebody that when they walk away from me, they're like, "What yeah. was that?" You know, I mean, it's and I could go on there, but I, I'm with you. It's it can be so scary. It so I think social media has ruined people because um, I'm I've, I've just recently launched a new brand and I'm kind of rebranding some things and and one of the things that I told Heather, my branding coach, was. Look, I don't want the yachts. I don't want the pictures with the Corvettes. Yeah, I want a Corvette. Yeah, I want a yacht. But <clears throat> that's not who I am. Yeah. No, that's not at the core. Um, I'm not about being showy. And, and all these people are out here being showy and they're they're living an inauthentic life. Yeah. And there's a there's a coach in in Nashville that I have quit following at the at the demand of my branding coach. Um, I've quit following him on Facebook and um, he's done quite well for himself. And he, um, he, he, he boasts about having a, a private plane. Mm. And when I lived in Nashville, I owned a limo company, car service company. And so I was very well, um, I, I knew how to track planes and so I caught a couple of pictures of the tail numbers of planes that he was getting on. And, you know, my own insecurity, I went and looked up those tail numbers and it's, it's at least like a net jet type thing. And I'm like, you don't own this plane that you're telling everybody that you, you own this plane and you're and and I just have a hard time with that inauthentic, unauthentic, whatever, however you want to put it, you know, there, there's no authenticity there that, you're, you're portraying something that's just not, and, and a lot of people, you know, 99.9% of the people would never question, are you making a, you know, a payment on that? Um, but for me, I, when my clients look at, I want them to see that I'm real and I'm coming from a place of I've been broken and I've been hurt and I've been depressed and I've been, I've been where you are. And, and sometimes I still get in those places, but I'm, I got out of it. I broke out of it. Right. You know, you mentioned, um, God is, is the, the foundation. Um, it, that's tough in today's world. 
you know, I'm a, I'm a chaplain in the army reserves and that's where I'm headed next week. And, um, and it's, you know, you get around, I get around soldiers, I get around business people, I get around and man, it's, it's tough to, to be the, the salt when, when everybody else is trying to be something, they're trying to portray that same image. Hmm. Well, first of all, thanks for serving. I, I, I think I saw a picture of you in the, some military fatigue somewhere on, on Facebook at some point, but uh, yeah, thank you for serving. How, how long were you in? So I've been in 13 years. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you. Like there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a spot, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, a, a person of, of faith and you're trying to, you know, make a difference in the world where, where it can be kind of rough and you feel maybe, you know, like marginalized or people are looking at you a little sideways, stuff like that. But you know, you know what I think is really interesting is, is, is I, I, I kind of wonder though, and I, so maybe I'll, I'll take some of the ownership of this myself as, as I've grown, you know, as a, a follower of Jesus, I've realized that, that many times if I get that sideways look, or I feel like, you know, I'm getting marginalized in some ways, it's not because I'm a Christian. It's because I'm acting like a dork. And, and, and I, I think that there's a lot of people out there who, you know, are followers of Christ, you know, would call themselves Christians, right? And, and they say that they're being persecuted or, or something like that when they're, they're just being jerks yeah. and, and they're being culturally uh, inept. You know, their social intelligence is just zero, so I, I think I think we need to make a distinction between being <laughs> being persecuted and just you know being an idiot. Yeah. And I and I honestly I, I you can tell a kind of the tone in my voice there is is a maybe a little harsh. And the reason is is because I think I was there. When I think back to my my teens and twenties, I think that the aroma that I had around me was not one of 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 nobility and character and forward thinking. It was how can I increase my tribe so that I don't feel you know, that I'm somehow alone. Yeah. And here's what's fascinating. One of the things that I've realized as a um, a man, you know, who happens to be a Christ follower, right? And I, and I want to kind of frame it this way. Well, what, what's a man? If, if, if there's a big difference between a boy, a dude, a guy, and a man. And, and again, I say this hesitantly because, you know, quite often in my life, I look like a guy. But my... <clears throat> my noble intent in even talking about this is, is that, you know, a, a man shows up, right? A man leads with authenticity. He's the first one to say, I'm sorry. He's the first one to, uh, uh, you know, uh, ask for forgiveness. And, and uh, he, he's the most humble man in the room, right? And, and at the same time, he brings strength, Yep. He brings physical strength. He brings emotional and spiritual strength. He speaks into, you know, disorder in the room, but he does it in a, but he does it in a way that's not filled with, you know, self-righteousness or even um, maybe this idea of, of being threatened. Because I think, I think there's a lot of times we, we would defend our beliefs because we just can't stand the thought of being proven wrong. And, and, and what the world is needing desperately is men to show up, speak into the chaos and love people very tangibly. And, and you're going to get this analogy, by the way, being in the military. I think that, um, you know, the idea of jumping on the grenade, right? 
a, a man is the first one to jump on the grenade. Yep. And um, he's the first one to sacrifice. And I'm not saying it's the first one to fold up the tables at the potluck dinner and, and uh, you know, be the nice guy who stands in the corner and, you know, how you doing, brother, and pats everybody in the back. Nope. The guy jumping on the grenade is the guy that's willing to um, run to the fire, right? He's, he's willing to go sit with somebody and cry with somebody. He's willing to go sit with a couple whose marriage is falling apart. Yep, and, exactly. and, to pre- and to present to them a third option, which is not extreme religiosity on one side, and it's not, I want my way and she wants her way. The third option is, is, is how can we come together in a, in a way of, of authorship, validating each other's beautiful uniqueness, and then what? Be on mission together. Yeah. And yeah. and I think a man who a man is someone who speaks purpose into chaos, not just stop it, right? He's not a, a peacekeeper, he's a peacemaker. And there's a big difference. So your your question, I, I absolutely love it. But I man, I tell you, the, the longer I live, the I, I think that the the distinction around what a an authentic man looks like. Man, I would hope that when people see the way that I live, the way that I speak, the way that I carry myself, I don't know whether it's on stage, would be first and foremost, he is very humble, right? He knows, but for the grace of God, I would be a complete and utter mess. Yeah. But but at the same time, you know, I'm one who runs to the fire and speaks wisdom and, and order into those things. And and that that they that they, that they would see, right, Christ on me not coming out of my mouth, but in what, what I do, not that we can't speak. Right. But at the same time, if there's an incongruency in what I say and what I do, if what I say is flowery and great and all this kind of stuff, but what I'm doing is counteracting that, well, that's what the world finds unbelievable. And I think that's our biggest problem. We are our biggest problem and the the buck stops and and Scott, you're going to get this too. Um, The, you know, we, we would say, well, how about this? I'll, I'm going to jump right into the weeds here, and I'll, I'll quote my pastor. He, 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 you know, Roe v. Wade recently, right? Here's a here's a heck of a topic for a, a podcast. Go for it. One of the things that I thought was one of the most beautiful things that our pastor talked about after I think it was two weeks after they they changed the law there was as he said, we don't have an abortion problem. We have a man problem. He didn't yeah. lay it at the he didn't lay it at the feet of women. He laid it at the feet of men who do not take responsibility, right? I, I remember going through uh, the, uh, what was it? The men's fraternity back in the day. I forget who put that together, but it was, you know, we said a, a man accepts responsibility, you know, period. That's all there is to it. And and I think if if men were to to lead in that fashion, I mean, what, what if 75% of this population, what if men led in a responsible way? Our world, our world would be a vastly different place. People wouldn't, people wouldn't be in as much danger. Women wouldn't feel as objectified and, and dismissed and single family homes would be almost non-existent. And um, so, so, you know, what does it mean to be a man and balance faith in, you know, work and family and that kind of stuff, man, I think it's all about responsibility and and humility you know i you said something that 
talking about the words that we use and speaking. And sometimes I think that's really where we, we as men, we mess up sometimes as we speak and we turn people away from, from faith because we, you know, we have it, men and women, we have a tendency to shove it down people's throat yeah. and condemn and judge. And then they see, you know, they see our actions, they see what we're doing. And by no means, you know, neither one of us are, are perfect by any means. And sure. we're, we're going to mess up. We're going to, we're going to tick some people off. We're going to, you know, screw up in business every now and then. And, um, but, but the real authentic, the real, the real men go back and say, Hey, I messed up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, we, I'm being in the military, I'm seeing a shift in, um, in who we're bringing into the, into the military and it scares the hell out of me. I mean, just literally it, it scares me to death because, you know, as a chaplain, I don't carry a weapon. I've, I've got, a, I've got a bodyguard, you know, I've got an assistant that, that travels with me. They carry a weapon. And if I've got some kid that's scared to death to look in the mirror and join the military because we've lowered the standards to a point, you know, my life is, is really put, put in exceeded danger at this point. Not only, not only that, but are they willing to jump on that grenade? Are they truly willing to fight for our, for, you know, the rights and the freedom of our, of our country and, and for, for other people. And, and I just think that we have dumbed and watered everything down in society so much to, to conform. And I love the fact, I love the fact that your pastor stepped up and, and approached that subject because I, so many pastors on that Sunday after and the Sundays after never even touched it. And if the pastor and the churches are not willing to touch that subject, we in America are really, we're, we're going in a bad direction. Yeah. And, and what I love is, is, I mean, he addressed the subject, but he addressed the real subject yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't some raw, 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 let's, 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 let's be on the bandwagon of the Christian right yeah. and change the country and us kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't even do that. Right. He wasn't political. He laid it at, at the feet of our hearts. Yep. And I, I mean, I don't think anybody can deny that if men lead courageously, accept responsibility and love well, right. This world would be a different place. And, and obviously women need to do the same thing, but at the yep. same time, I being a man, I'm going to, I'm going to join him and lay it at the feet of men. And by the way, he, he also served in the, I think he was in the army for about 20 years and, and wow. so on. But um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think the world would be a much different place if, if, if men were, were to step up in a noble and courageous way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. You, you talked about how kind of shifting gears a little bit, how your life looks completely different than you thought it would you oh, know, yeah. back 20, 20 something years ago. Um, I mentioned before we got on the, on the show that, that I'm out in Lubbock, Texas. I came out here for the Buddy Holly uh, 85th birthday celebration. And Peter Frampton is the headliner for the, for the show tomorrow night. And so, um, you know, I had to go and kind of do a little background research on Buddy Holly. Freaking amazing. Like absolutely 22 years old, killed in a plane crash, 
1953. So, you know, and in the span of 22 years where there was no internet, no social media, no, probably one or two channels on the TV. I wasn't, I wasn't born back then. So I don't, I don't know what it, what it was like back then. You and I are about the same age. Um, probably a couple stations on a radio that barely broadcasted. <clears throat> right. And here's a young man that has made a tremendous impact in the world, in the world of music, 85 years, you know, now. Incredible. 2022. And he's still, I mean, if you, if you ever get a chance to come to Lubbock, there's a whole performing center performance center up over here, two blocks from the hotel that I'm in. Okay. That is absolutely beautiful. And he's got a whole team in the, in London. I've been talking with, um, his, his manager over in London, um, working on things. And it's just incredible. And I keep going at the age of 22. Yeah. Not a long life at all to create such a, a legacy. And, I, you know, I just, I look at society today and I look at people today and so many people, when their dreams or their goals fail, they quit and they settle and they go get a job and they, that they hate and they go, you know, do whatever. You drop out of college um, and had no idea that you'd end up where you are today. Not a, not a clue. I, you know, I think what's interesting about just that, that paradigm is, is that when we're young, one of the reasons I'm, I'm so passionate about Dr. Andy Garrett stuff is that when we're young, you know, kind of the message that I got growing up was, you know, be normal, be civil, be kind. As far as like manhood, masculinity, you know, just just be a good dude, right? Don't make too many waves. If, <laughs> if, if you joke about something, you know, that's a little off color, just make sure you're with your dudes, you know, just... Yeah. But, but it was more of this, this idea, even in, even in, you know, the church, it was like, just, just be kind. Well, okay. I get that. Right. You know, mow somebody's lawn, shovel their driveway, you know, bring the pie, that kind of thing. And what I think is really fascinating is, is when you're told that message growing up from your, your, those closest to you, right. Your, your church family, peers, family, and you know, all that kind of stuff. What happens is, is you're getting that message coupled with you know, movies and yeah. social media now about being a superhero, right? Like, like, okay, you've got to have the dream and you've got to be a world changer and you've got to swing for the fence and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'll be honest that I, th I don't mind some of that. I think, I think every one of us has kind of the, the hero in us, right? We're, we're made in, in the image of the hero. So, so it's like, of course we, we want to do, um, I don't know what, I don't like the word big, great things. You know, there's great, there's greatness in us. And, but my story though, was I, I grew up feeling that, that, that sense of the hero, right? Like, holy cow, I want to do big and great things. But at the same time, you know, a, a bit of baggage coupled with this message of, you know, don't make too many waves, don't embarrass us, just kind of blend in. And I'm not saying like my parents explicitly said that, but it was, there was this, overarching narrative I think that that I experienced growing up that was like just play it safe be practical you know just 
kind of hunker down, that kind of thing. And and again, some of that's some of those things are 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 wise. I'm not so what I, I want to be careful how I, I paint that picture. But as I grew, I had such a desire to do great things, but then I felt kind of um, I felt isolated and I felt kind of ill-equipped to to even understand what that greatness was uniquely in me. So then I started trying all kinds of things because I would look at other quote unquote successful people and be like, well, I guess they're successful and they look happy. I'm going to try to be like them. And ultimately what I realized is my main goal was to grow up and become somebody or be somebody yeah, or at the very least not be a nobody, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and so what's fascinating is, is again, back to, back to the, you know, this, this idea of authenticity and authorship um, in the last decade, you know, doing some deep work in that area. And especially lately with Dr. Andy to understand, you know, the hierarchy of the things that my core values, my core values, right? The, the, the things that rise to the top versus you, right? How, our uniqueness. And I'm not talking just, you know, Hey, you're a better baseball player than I am, or, you know, you're a better public speaker, a better singer. That's, I mean, what, what I end up doing, that's one thing. That's, that's kind of a, an occupation of sorts. But, what, but who am I while I'm doing those things? I'm not, my dad told me when I was growing up, he said, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he's probably quoting somebody else, but I love that, that, that paradigm. So what I've realized is, is as I've taken, you know, uh, you know, some assessments and kind of worked through some things, you know, and assigned meaning to the most courageous, beautiful, precious, goosebump driven places in my life. I find that I, when I act out of that place, whether it's with Parker and Kate or Lisa or my friends or a small group, when I'm talking to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever else, authentically bringing the fullest expression of who I am to those places, I'll put it this way, to those contexts, right? right? Those are just contexts for me to be me and, and inspire and love people and encourage people, that kind of thing. Um, some people, their, you know, their their thing is, hey, I like to solve problems, and I like to speak, you know, analytically into things and that kind of stuff. Well, now that now that I know who is showing up, yeah. Oh my gosh, what a difference in in fuel, right? Because it's kind of like this, it's like fusion or fission or whatever. It's this clean fuel when I when I express those, you know, those things that are near and dear to me. It feels good. Well, what does that do? It makes me want to be more of me. It's like it reinforces that. But but when I act outside of my authenticity, when I and I did that for years, well, I feel like an imposter. I feel depleted. Yeah. I feel like I want to avoid situations. I feel, you know, afraid and just drained. But when I get to act in alignment with, you know, who God made me, it's like get out of my way. Like this feels <laughs> This feels, this feels borderline bulletproof. Bliss, yeah. And, and it's, and I think that looking back, this is one of the, one of the reasons I'm so excited about, you know, we've got, you know, one of the courses we're launching toward high school students is to help them, right, very simply identify those things that have been authored in them. Yeah. And, and we're, we're so excited to help unleash people in their uniqueness. And, and I can, you know, great. to me, it just makes total sense. And, I get really excited about that kind of stuff. I, I'm beginning to wonder if you and I didn't grow up in the same little community or, you know, because 
I grew up, get a job, get a salaried position, just, you know, pay your bills, take care of your family. And, um, and that's not the way I was designed. Like I, you know, I'm surprised that I've done so well in the military because I, I don't do well with being told what to do. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of gotten me in trouble a couple of times. Um, because I just, I just don't do stupid. Like if it's stupid, I'm not, it does, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, but I, I've come to realize that I, I've been, I was designed to pull the potential out of people. I've been de- designed to, um, you know, I got a text message yesterday and somebody said, you're reaching more people than you realize. And, and that just, my, my love language is words of affirmation. And so getting that, that message just like puffed me up a little bit, you know, and not in a, in a pride way, but just, in, in sure. a pride, you know, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for what's, what's to come. Um, but yeah, you're, you know, I think you and I are, are, are twins or, you know, different mother or something, but um, man, you, I'm looking forward to connecting with you again. And, and when I come back to my son lives in Nashville, he goes to uh, Trevecca. Oh, and, great school. Yeah. My I, father-in-law got his master's and doctorate at Trevecca. That's a great school. Yeah. He's on the golf team there. And, um, and so I come up quite often to see him. And, golf. Yeah. Yep. He, he's a much better golfer than I am. And uh, so, very- but when I come back, but who, you know, as you're, I know you're, you've got a lot of different focuses and as you're moving kind of into the coaching world, who's your ideal client and how can they reach you? And, um, and you know, where, where's the best place to find David? You know, my thought would be is if you're listening to this and you resonate with some of this language, right. If you, if you feel like you've not found you, if you, if you feel like uh, I, I want to encourage people, you got to do a little bit of deep work, right. But it's not that difficult. To, to gain a vocabulary that describes the truest essence of who you are. And when you start operating out of that space, well, then your goals, you know, they, they seem, oh, in fact, your goals may shift, but yeah. they, seem, they, seem, they seem like a warm sweater then and not like, oh, crap, I have to become somebody. You know, it's like, it's, it's not the shoulds anymore, it's the coulds. Yes. So, so I, I like to take people that have an understanding of where they are. And sometimes we got to get there, right. Build some self-awareness, but then say, okay, where do you want to go and, and walk with them on, on getting to that, uh, that spot. I don't like one, one of the things that I think is a, a real, uh, I don't know, it can be, can be belabored to a point where you're, you, know, you kind of hamstring yourself emotionally is I, I like to look back on things that are, I'll just put it this way, things that sucked. Right. You, you've got you've got to identify those things that, that were right. kind of added to your tool belt, whether you added them or someone else did that, that, you know, that you might need to some of those you might need to throw out. I get that. But I don't like spending much time there. And, and the reason is, is I, I think that we end up rehearsing the same emotions and feelings that reinforce the behaviors that kind of got us where we are now. Exactly. And what I really like to do is to say, where are you now? What's the vision of the future that is just really feels like it's pulling you forward? Let's go there. Yeah. And um, so I, I would say that my ideal client is people that would maybe uh, well, obviously just resonate with this podcast. And if they heard something and they feel stuck and they're, oh, let me let me add one other thing here. Um, so Dr. Andy mentioned the other day that he gets a lot of clients that are, they have the markers of success. 
like they, you know, they've got a 401k that's growing, they're married, they got the, the house, they got a couple of cars, five televisions, a boat, you know, all the all the crap. They've got the 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 American dream. And at the same time, they don't feel like a success. They don't feel yeah. fulfilled. Sure. And um, if that's you, please call me because when you shift those things in your mind, you're going to be you're going to be unleashed to make a beautiful and powerful impact on especially those that you love the most, right? Your family and friends, but then, but then other people, and you start living out of that overflow as opposed to just sucking wind, trying to be somebody. And there is a, it's a massive shift, but it doesn't take as long as you think to get there. You know, the the first step, just like with anything is, is making the, making the decision to, to, cut something off yeah you know being intentional and um man you yeah i i I love this and um where can where can they uh where can they reach you at david um you know you can i would say go to go to my website so my last name is spelled like ask but it's pronounced osk so davidosk.com um and then um actually andy garrett's for that matter but you know ag-thrive.com and um but i would say start with my uh my website and um, you can kind of see the various things that I'm into there. And, and of course would love to connect with anybody. And if I can help great, if I, if I, if I can't help personally, I love connecting dots. So on, on any level. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on David. And I look forward to, to seeing you and maybe we can grab lunch or dinner when I'm, I'm in Nashville and Pleasure. thanks again, brother. Thanks for having me.